Web of Resonance. I'm Teresa Carmody with Elemental Journeys. And I am Ken Edwards, the Runewalker. Yes, you are. Welcome. Welcome. So, Ken, uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about the journey experience. Okay. Thought it might be interesting for us to talk a little bit about that. It's been coming up more and more um, in lots of different venues for me that people have been asking, what is that experience like? And uh, they're having um, their own experiences of feeling like being kind of swept away in a daydream or a journey. And uh, a lot of questions about how to navigate that space. Yeah, it's an, excuse me, it's an interesting space to navigate, I think, especially when you're uh, first starting out, because you, uh, I went through a process of uh, trusting, not only what I'm seeing, but trusting whether or not it came from me, or it was coming from, you know, another place i wasn't just making it up well you know that's interesting that uh whenever i work with somebody who wants to learn how to journey that's often what i hear after i facilitate their first journey and all i'm really doing is i'm holding space so i'm using my drum uh which allows people to kind of drift uh the drum also calls people back um and often after the first journey experience i will usually hear Uh, But how do I know I'm not making it up? And my answer is always, what does it matter? Yeah. Uh, Because I think that the same place from which we make things up is actually the journey space. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and I also think that it's, it's often something, you know, Uh, The other worlds, to me, it's very subtle. To go there is very subtle. You don't have to try really hard. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, my experience of it is you have to try really hard not to go there if uh, the environment is right for it. So, you know, if I'm playing a drum, uh, you have to actually try really hard not to let the drum take you somewhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I think that that's interesting. I also, uh, a friend of mine has uh, recommended to me that I watch, uh, it's this little animated series. It's an Amazon original. It's called Undone. Yeah. And uh, I don't typically like animated things. Uh, They tend to be a little too cartoony. Um, Yeah. But this one, this one, the animation is uh, unique. But in addition to that, in watching it, I realized that it's the only way that you can actually visually portray uh, what a hallucination or a journey experience looks like. And it has me thinking a lot about, um, you know, what is the difference between having a shamanic journey or having a psychotic break? (laughs) That's fascinating. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, when I first started uh, journeying, that was my greatest fear is that, you know, if I really tell people about the experiences that I'm having, uh, they're going to put a straitjacket on me. 
I think that's one thing I fear as well is um, because I do think that the line is very thin between <laughs> uh, brilliance and madness. Yeah. I don't want to be fucking crazy. Yeah. I don't wanna, like it's one thing to like have people look at you and say, oh, what you do is kind of crazy. And you're like, this, you know, crazy guy who <laughs> does blood offerings and, you know, shakes a stick around. But um, <laughs> it's another thing entirely to be in your head and go, oh, my God, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Well, it can be, especially a lot of people's initiation experiences, uh, that is what I hear, is that I'm going into realms that it's scary for me to be in them. Um, And, uh, you know, based on this uh, show I was watching, one of the things that was in there was uh, just information about when you take an MRI, a brain scan of uh, somebody who like is diagnosed with schizophrenia and shamans, you're seeing very similar brain structure. And so it really got me thinking, well, what is the difference then between someone who is walking a shamanic path and someone who um, is having a psychotic break or is schizophrenic? And I really think that the difference for me is that... Um, a shamanic path helps you navigate realms that when you get lost in them, that's like a psychotic break. You're losing touch with the consensus reality, uh, having a difficult time discerning the other world experiences from this world experiences. Uh, and what shamans are doing is they're getting training to be able to understand what realm they're in, what are the laws of that realm, Uh, And I don't mean laws like uh, you think of laws like if I break the law, I get arrested. I'm saying more like what are the natural laws? How do things work? I think that's a a really fascinating uh, place to go because there are so many what we would call mental illnesses or (laughs) uh, challenges that if we don't if we don't put them in that category and we were actually to work with them and, and allow for that to be an acceptable way to be, we would have a very different place world that we're living in. Well, yeah. Um, I often think of however you experience reality, there's a wisdom there. And, uh, and if you can be held in compassion and somebody who's willing to uh, receive your perspective, um, that the wisdom can be shared. Um, so my question for you is, how do you navigate those other realms? How do you, how, what is the mechanism that you use to kind of navigate the other worlds and then to return into, and to be able to distinguish what realm you're in? That's a really interesting question. I've never, I've never thought about that process in such exact terms. Yeah. Um, I will say that for me, when I, 
journey. I feel like when I, <clears throat> at this point in time, for the most part, when I journey into other realms, it's um, a lot of observation. Yeah. And it's a lot of almost aimless wandering that allows me to just experience that place. Um, I haven't mapped them out uh, as far as, you know, kind of putting things down and, oh, I've been here, I want to go back there kind of way. But I will uh, usually end up going to the same place a few times within a short period of time and experiencing things a little further and a little, uh, a little differently, um, maybe a little bit more in depth. And there are, there, I will probably 90% of the time I do learn something, um, you know, even something as simple as, um, a realization I made the other day that I still, um, you know, I don't, uh, I think I mentioned this to you last night. I don't trust, <laughs> I don't trust the gods not to, uh, disappoint me. So it's a, that's building that relationship is going to be tough, but that, that actually came from, um, journeys I've had this week. Um, and as well as, you know, uh, insight from a, a book that um, I had been tapping into. Um, but it's fascinating to me. I have to be careful, I guess maybe is a good way to put it. I have to be careful or cautious with myself not to um, get to the point where I want to be there all the time or I want to be doing it uh, all the time. And I was starting to go down that road because uh what I had realized is that I'm just not spending enough time living the life that I have. I'm not, it's not escaping, but it's a constant, you know, striving for knowledge and for wisdom and to gain insight and to better myself. Um, but really, you know, I always talk about knowledge is knowledge, but it becomes wisdom when you can apply it into the physical world. And uh, it's been an interesting balance uh, or look at looking it's been an interesting foray into looking at the balance that I'm holding between those two those two places and I can control it but these some some people can't they it's not according to their will you know if we're talking about potentially schizophrenia they there's not necessarily control uh with that I think that's an interesting uh concept yeah. Yeah, there's so many different angles that I look at it from uh, that I think, like, for me, when I think uh, about schizophrenia, I think it, it's interesting if I go right into, like, uh, psychological language with it, this is going to sound so contrary to what our mainstream currently thinks, is that for me... Uh, schizophrenics don't often have the ego strength to not get lost. Mm. Um, and I think that's funny because I hear people all the time uh, talk about that they want to rid themselves of their ego. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, that always throws up so many uh, red flags um, because our ego is part of being human. And so why would you want to get rid of part of what you are? Um, to me, if it's an obstacle, you want to adjust it, not rid yourself of it. Yeah. And uh, what I notice with schizophrenics is they lose their sense of self or their ego so much. That's the mechanism that that that's how they get lost. They can't come back because there's not a, a strong enough ego to guide them back or to help them find their way back. I love that you brought that up. Um, and I had never, of course, I'm not, um, you know, trained in any in any of in any of that. But it makes complete sense. Um, and I, I like that you brought up we're constantly trying to rid ourselves of, of the ego, but it's the thing that, that, that can keep us um, anchored. <laughs> um, but I, I think it goes back into talking about a little bit of the balance of, you know, we want out of our bodies. I don't. I want yeah. to stay in my body, but, um, there's a lot of that language around, um, new age spirituality and, and, and those type of things where we're leaving our body, we're going to the astral plane, we're doing all this stuff and there's a place for that, but it, 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 you need to be anchored in your body. And I had never thought about the ego as being that, um, a thing that, that does help you anchor. Yeah, I think for me, it can. Um, And for me, part of what the journey experience has been is to help me to accept my ego, to know how it operates, and to realize it's not all of who I am. It's a part of who I am, but not all of who I am. Um, And, uh, you know, in watching the show, and in other things that I've seen, there's been a lot of talk, which I really like about uh, finding a mechanism that anchors you. So like in the movie Inception, um, there have been quite a few like uh, movie stories that are out there about uh, creating anchors that help you determine what reality you're in. And yeah. I think it's funny that we would choose an external object when for me, my body is that thing. Yeah. Is that, you know, um, Yep. Uh, I will say to many people, if you're worried about getting lost in journey, oh, uh, then tap in with your body. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Uh, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of teaching about like when you learn how to meditate, how do you sit still? How do you ignore the fidgets? How do you ignore that itch and let it pass? And I think there's function for that and there's usefulness for not allowing all of the uh, experiences of the body to distract you from meditation. But I also think that those are the very things that also call you back if you start to get lost. Well, I think that um, what, as you were speaking, I was thinking that sometimes if I, if I get a little nervous about uh, during the journey state, if I become aware that, um, I'm starting to maybe slip a little too much. Uh, I will just do something as simple as wiggle my fingers. Right. Just to like pull myself back into, yep, there I am. Okay. I'm still in my body. I'm still attached. Um, 
because there are times for me that it does feel very much like, oh, I'm gone and I'm detaching and uh, I need to, to remember or I need to, to feel that anchor so that I'm not uh, feeling... Um, adrift is the wrong word, but it's a close one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, you know, journeying is a lot like uh, the physical part of yoga is, you know, yoga is a lot about stretching and developing strength, but also developing resilience, elasticity, uh, yep. flexibility. Um, and to me, shamanic journeying is a lot like that, is that, you know, you travel a little, you travel to whatever your um, edge is. And breathe and relax and develop comfort and then come back. Yep. And then the next time you journey, you can go a little bit further because it's, it, I mean, it literally is like an energetic muscle that you are learning how to stretch and elongate. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how, how do you define ego? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, well, you know, I'm a product of the West uh, and have psychological training. So, you know, the ego to me first came to me from theories of like Freud and Jung. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they talk about it being the little self, the identity that you have that's hard to transcend that identity. Um, and to me, my ego, the way I personally relate to my own ego is that uh, my ego operates a lot like a toddler. Uh, so it's the stage <laughs> of development that is I, me, mine, and no, <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, and, but it, that's really functional for me when, you know, I'm journeying into a place where all sense, of, you know, like in the void, all sense of identity is gone. There is only the experience for me anyway of existing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can remember the first time uh, I uh, went to the void in a way that I had awareness that that's where I was, was uh, through hypnosis. I had a friend that we did an exchange in, and I wanted to try hypnosis. And I landed in pure darkness and she was trying to help guide me. And she was like, well, look down at yourself. What do you see? And my answer was nothing. She said, look around you. Tell me what you see. Nothing. Who are you? No one. I mean, they're just, there, were, there were no answers that could answer the questions she was asking. Yep. And uh, I, you know, I remember kind of coming back out of that. And her response to me was, yeah, it can be really uncomfortable when you're in an ego-less state. And I remember thinking that, no, that's your projection, because my subjective experience of that was I was at peace. I didn't have yeah. any problem at all that I could look down and see nothing. And that when she asked me who I was, I have no answer. Yeah. Um, so so to me, I think the ego is actually really key to um to being able to recognize when I'm back in this 3D world. It's, it's almost like the ego is the lens through which I experience this world. And yeah. if I can become aware that it's a lens, 
then I know that, oh, it's only giving me a very limited perspective of this reality, that there are still other ways to experience this reality. For me, that's what synchronicity can do is, uh, you know, when I have a journey experience, I will often ask whatever beings I've encountered there to somehow verify the experience or the message for me with synchronous events that happen when I return to this world Um, and to bring them in a way that uh, I cannot miss the fact that it is a communication uh, of verification. Yes. So for me, like my own unverified personal gnosis gets verified through um, like a validating experience. Yep. I think that's amazing. I think that that uh, we don't we don't have enough of the smart skeptic in us, or I shouldn't say smart, trained skeptic um, <clears throat> when it comes to doing things like we do, um, and that is it's it's easy to say. Well, I just don't believe, but it's you know, what about, okay, if you're going to be a healthy skeptic about this, why don't you say, okay, I, just like you just said, I'm going to ask for these uh, things to happen after I come out that will be synchronistic and reinforce that the message I got uh, or that I uh, experienced or the thing I experienced um, is that I'm on track. Um, I think that's a brilliant a brilliant way to do it because we just often, I, I see it a lot. Well, I just have to, I just have to trust that's what it is, but we can actually put it to the test a little bit. And, um, I think that, uh, that's one difference, um, between, Oh God, how do I put this? Uh, just believe, just have a, a faith. It's a concept of faith of like, well, I'm just going to blind faith. That's what it is. It's a ver- blind faith versus, you know, having this faith that um, you've gained because you've put it to the test. Yeah. Blind faith scares the hell out of me. Um, I know. I don't like it. I don't and, like it. Uh, well, and I think that's my experience of, you know, when I was in Catholic school as a kid being taught different things and I would ask questions or point out, well, that's inconsistent with the thing that you taught last week um, was, you know, when you start asking questions about uh, metaphoric reality or spiritual reality that is often ineffable, uh, which means it has no true words. It's a mystery. You can experience it. Uh, and that's the only way you can know it, but it doesn't always make sense. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and I just lost my train of thought. So there we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It was you, not me. <laughs> Usually it's, it's me. It's been happening. Uh, the last couple of days, it's been happening quite frequently. It's uh, yeah. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, it might just mean I'm getting older or I've got too many things on my mind or, or who knows, maybe it's something else. You are a busy woman. I am a busy woman. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think trust is important. I think trusting, I think what I've learned most about the journey experiences, how to trust myself. 
Um, And I think trust is something that can be given or offered freely. Uh, And I think that for me, stronger trust is something that I participate in building. Yes. So, you know, when I'm asking the beings from a journey experience for a synchronistic event, um, it's not that I don't trust them. It's that I'm asking you to help me develop deeper trust in myself, my own and trust in the experiences that I'm having as being valid to me. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, and it, uh, which, you know, kind of uh, shifts a little bit of, of the the idea of the skeptic that I was talking about earlier for me, because um, that's the one thing I do. It, it's not about, well, at this moment for me, yes, there are challenges for myself <laughs> in trusting, uh, you know, uh, relationships with deity and, and whatnot. But um, it really is about more than anything, trusting myself that I can make for myself, make the appropriate decision and not kick myself in the ass for, you know, uh, getting hurt or getting disappointed because I made the wrong decision uh, to trust. Right. Well, I think we, uh, I think anything that you try to build or try to learn or try to grow in, uh, you have to make mistakes and you have to be willing to make mistakes and take the risk of a mistake. Yeah, you um, do. And it's only by doing that that you learn how to do the thing you're trying to do. Yep. Sometimes you have to see how things don't work in order to, you know, figure out what does work for you. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, uh, I'm not sure what our question is with our tools, but I would be very curious to see what our tools say about, I I don't know, something about how to enter journey space, how to come back, how to navigate. Do you have any sense for a good intention? Um, not particularly. I think the whole, I think that it's such a broad and, undocumented for me me personally a a topic that uh, I don't have any sense of honing in on one or two things at the moment because to me it still feels like such a broad topic for myself. Okay. If that's the case, uh, what we haven't done an intention like this before, but what do you think about an intention for whoever's listening to this episode? Um, maybe curious or seeking out information about what this experience is or how to navigate it. What if we just leave it kind of open ended that uh, we ask our tools for wisdom for whoever's listening, whatever they need? Yep, you want I like that? that. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, let me just grab my cards and you ready? I'm ready.
It feels a bit like it could be a multiple. <laughs> Room day. Yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm shuffling my cards, and my cards feel uh, a little more awake. I guess I think sometimes when I shuffle them, I'm just you know I'm kind of shuffling them with the idea of uh, you know who wants to come out to play today. Yeah, me too. Um, and they feel like they all have something to say. <laughs> What's happening for you? Um, I am just, uh, one card kind of drew my attention. So I'm just verifying with my pendulum that it's the card for today. At least it's the card we're going to start with. There might be more coming. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, interesting. Um, so what I got was the Ace of Pentacles. Uh, and on the card is, um, I want to say we're in an earth structure, so it might be a cave, although there are leaves and vines, um, so it might just be like the wall of a cliff, but there's a critter here, um, and the critter looks to me to be, hmm, I'm having a hard time identifying the critter. It looks a little bit like a porcupine, but it's not quite as spiky. It's not a badger. It might be a mole. And so for me, uh, yeah, mole feels the most correct. Um, and for me, moles are interesting because moles um, have different vision than we do. So um I don't know how a mole sees when it's underground and in the darkness. Uh, I do know that we typically think of moles as being blind. Uh, but what I'm feeling is I'm very much feeling this critter like moving between the light and the dark realms and saying my vision is clear in the dark. When I get into the light, I'm light blind and that's when I don't see. Yeah. Um, and I'm also getting a very strong uh, in my body feeling that and be precise about what it means to see in the dark. It's not my physical eyes that are looking. Yeah. And I actually think that that it, that's spot on to me about what I experience in the journey experience is that I will often get visions, uh, but there are definitely some journeys, especially when I'm going to a place that I've never been before that I don't have a lot of visual um, uh, stimulation. It's it's more, I can, I feel things, I feel the terrain. And it's almost like, uh, then I have to project what I'm feeling to see what would this terrain I'm feeling look like? Yeah. Um, but I do think, uh, to me, the message of this card is that if you're going to journey, it's important to know that how you see is very different. Yes. I would completely agree with, the, with that. Um, and for myself, add that because I'm a completely visual person <laughs> um that gets in my way uh if i try to see there like i see here yeah so that's one one of my 
things that's always um, on the forefront is my interpretation of what's yeah. happening. Yes. Because I try also, to interpret it visually. Yeah. I'll also say, I think that's part of what journey and the journey experiences that I've had have done for me is that because when I go to those other realms, I have to see differently and I have to rely on different ways of experiencing. When I do come back to my body in this realm of being, one of the things it does is it helps me to almost awaken other ways of knowing in this realm. So, you know, as human critters, we have five senses. And if we're predominantly visual, um, what tends to happen is uh, we sort through other experiences or other sensory information to only focus on the visual and those muscles or those senses tend to uh, dim down or atrophy a little bit. Yeah. And so when I have journey experiences that aren't visual, um, I think when I come back into my body, I become more aware of uh, tastes and smells and textures and feelings and uh, sounds and so to me, when I can become more of a multi-sensory human, um, I have a more integrated experience. Yeah. Um, I'm taking this, you know, this great storytelling class. And um, one of the things that um, we did in the very beginning was we went on a little journey and um, it was to allow us to uh, become aware of which of those five senses that we use the most and uh, what the process has done for me is it, it has reinforced. Yes. That I'm a very visual person. Cause I will talk about the color and the tree and the, and the a very descriptive way that way, but um, leaving out, not leaving out, but leaving out like the scent, the taste, the, the texture um, those different things um, really add to um, the experience. And I will say that some of those things you can only have if you're really in touch with your body during um, meditation or journey, because you can't, you know, your ghost really doesn't have a tongue. Um, your energy spirit, like you have to interpret those things through your body. Um so that has been uh, something for me that I've been working with and working on is yeah, uh, yes, when I'm, you know, reading people are experience doing psychic readings, whatever I will. Sometimes I have no fucking idea what gardenia smells like. I smelled it. I seriously, I was like, Oh, I smell flowers. And I went to, I'm like, I don't know what. And gardenia popped into my head because that's how it works. And I said gardenia at the same time the client said gardenia. That was my mother's favorite flower. Yeah. And, um, but I wouldn't have known that had I not had the the scent <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, and that's was connect. You have to be in, in your body, and I think uh, that's the one thing that, like I've said before, we we kind of miss in in this journey concept. 
Well, and I think that, that that's kind of the whole point of having journeys or having the ability to journey is for me, it helps me wake up what it means to be human. Um, so, you know, I was kind of saying that other senses become atrophied and I think it's actually more precise to say they become unconscious because mm. I yeah. think my body is still registering the sounds and the smells and the tastes and the feels. Um, but I think that when I'm so focused on the visual way of, um, interacting with the environment that all the, the four other senses just become unconscious. Yes. So what um, room did you get? Uh, real quick. And yeah. um, before we even started, I, I came up again. So uh, what I was prompted to say, what, what was your dream about last night? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, what was my dream last night? It's kind of faded a little bit because when I woke up from it... <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, I didn't like that dream. Let's erase that. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to talk about it. I just felt it was weird. It's, it's like that, that actually like three times now. It's like, ask about the dream. Ask about the dream. Ask about the dream. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've actually been having a lot of dreams uh, where I'm interacting with family members that I no longer have this world contact with. Okay. Um, and so it's been uncomfortable because the part of me that is the human that understands the reasons why I don't have contact with them yep. is I, I feel like it almost like it's dangerous territory. Um, like, oh, if I reestablish this connection, then I am choosing to reenter such a dysfunctional pattern that it makes me feel crazy. Um, and and so I'm not, so my unconscious apparently is saying, no, it's time to probably address this. So you bringing it up is just verification for me that um, I probably need to go into journey and deal with some of this stuff. I think that's a really interesting concept with journey, um, you know, because part of the shamanic legacy, life, whatever, is to do, go into journey to bring things back to actually assist in the, I don't want to say betterment, but in the resolution or the betterment of your life or the your client's life or the community or the world or whatever. And so there are a lot of times that um, we can do that. But I also think it's interesting to talk about the concept of journey as um, a way to meet people who are still in the physical world on a more energetic level to have conversations um, that um, you can't have physically. Right. I think that's interesting. Yeah. You and I uh, have been talking about that a lot is, uh, you know, becoming aware of a connection and communication that is happening with someone who is still embodied, like telepathic communication. Yep. You go into a journey, you meet them in the astral um, and you actually um, interact. Um, and there's so many questions about, you know, how do you hold integrity with that? How do I know that what I'm doing is not manipulative? Um, and how do I trust it? Yep. Um, and, 
Uh, and I think there's just a bunch of questions that I have around that. Oh, yeah. Um, I do know that I've had interactions with people in the astral that I got to a place. And I think you were talking about you got to a similar, similar place with an experience you were having of, okay, we're having this dialogue in the astral. Uh, it's happening often enough um, that it feels very true. Like something is actually happening. This is not my imagination. And uh, we both kind of with some people get to a place where we're like, okay, now I need to have a boundary yep. that it's happening so much in the astral that it's starting to feel like it's taking me out of my integrity to have one relationship with you in the astral plane and a completely different relationship in the physical. Yep. That it oh, almost, yeah. I it almost starts to feel like uh, I'm now engaging in a lie that we have this relationship in the astral, but when I come to you face to face, it's like we're on a stage and we're performing something. That's absolutely um, what I said. Actually, I said it to you last night. I had someone show up energetically in my field and I was, I was at the gym. So I was working out and I pushed them away. And then within, within 15 minutes, they had commented on a Facebook post yeah. that I had made. And I'm like, okay, listen, if you want to check in with me or if you want to talk to me, you can text me. Like it, all it is, is a simple, if, Hey, how's it going? And if I respond openly, like, Oh, things are really tough, you know, then yes, let's have a conversation, but don't just energetically check in with me without my permission. I think that that's bullshit. Well, I right there, that to me is another very useful function of the ego is that the ego can tell you when you need a boundary and that you get to set them. I mean, there's some yeah. people that I have, you know, especially those who are no longer embodied. Um, the only place I can meet them is in the astral. They don't have yep. a physical form anymore to take to interact with me. Um, right. My boundary is going to be different about that. And yet there are still beings that are disembodied that I have some pretty clear boundaries around because of the impact the interaction has on me. Yes. And that, to me, that's egoic. The yeah. ego tells oh, yeah. me this doesn't feel good anymore. Um, and if I dismiss that, I take myself out of integrity, um, not meaning morality or ethics, but simply wholeness. Yeah. Hmm. I love our topics today. <laughs> Me too. I love it. So what room well, did you pull? So I pulled three um, and I laid them flat in my hands to see which side needed to be face up. And when I laid them down, um, two were face down. And the one that was face up was Avaz, which is the, the rune of the balance of life and death. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think though that with it, 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 this rune is also connected to, um, the yew tree and, uh, the yew tree, uh, we can't really, it doesn't have rings like a normal tree. So you can't really tell how old they are. Um, and the concept, if you've, if you've ever seen like, um, a Celtic knot, like the tree of life, but it's a Celtic knot. So 
the branches come up and then spread back down to the roots and connect to the roots. That, that image yes. um, is definitely how the image I got with this. And um, if you, I think uh, one of the things that it talks about is that in the beginning, I wasn't sure how to journey or where to journey. And I needed to create a, uh, a space or a ritual uh, to be able to go somewhere. And so that for me was, um, I would go, I would sit down to meditate. I would actually begin walking through a forest and I would come to a tree and I would open the door and I would walk into the tree. And uh, because I work with 33 runes, I would walk down 33 steps uh, down into under in underground into a cave where I came to a well. And depending on kind of the journey I wanted to take, I could either go into the well and through the well, or I would uh, sit and kind of receive wisdom there. Um, so I've, cre I created this, uh, this safe place of a tree that would allow me to, to journey between the worlds, which is very much what, you know, Yggdrasil is. It's the connection, um, the world tree that connects all of the realms. So uh, using the tree to journey, uh, I believe is a really great uh, thing and place to start because it is like a, you know, a system of, uh, of, a, of the, the world tree where we're all connected and you're really, you're already part of it. You know, you, you're already connected. You just uh, have to figure out how to realize or figure out which parts of your body are already connected to this other, this other world or this journey. And then remember how to just access them. Right. Uh, so it's not really learning anything new because like you said before, uh, you mentioned daydreaming. I think that uh, when we're children, we're very able and capable of doing uh, this. It's just going back into that state of, I love when you say suspend the disbelief, uh, because I think we have to, as adults now, we have to go back to the space of suspending the disbelief to be able to move into a space where uh, it is possible to journey. And I think with Ava's, you know, not necessarily a room between, you know, balance of life and death. Um, I think it's fascinating that I was talking about learning to balance my uh, spiritual and my my spiritual pursuits as well as my just physical pursuits of living in this body and this life. So I think that that's interesting that it's balanced. Um, but I do think that coming up in this, in this situation uh, on a more broad topic, a broad scale is that, you know, you are connected to the roots and the branches and um, it's not like we have to go anywhere super far. Right. You're already there. Uh, to me, it's about becoming aware of it. We are, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I love the symbol of the tree um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I think symbols, you know, if a picture contains a thousand words, a symbol or a story can uh, contain a million. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's um, 
it's it's useful to use symbology when you're uh, journeying because it can open up a whole world of experience. And one of the things I like about the world tree is that the tree of life is a symbol that crosses generations. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not generations, although that's probably true too. Cultures. Yes. There are so many different cultures. They may not see it as the same tree, uh, yep. but there are many divergent cultures that have some form of tree of life. Yep. And so to me, when you start to enter the journey state, you start to wake up to, oh, yeah, I don't really think of my roots. I haven't been connected to my roots. What does that mean? And it can mean so many different things. Um, you know, my roots to me can be literally the energy that I feel coming out of the soles of my feet mm -hmm. that go into the earth, that branch out just like branches do and unfurl and that have an interaction with the realm of earth and all the critters that live there. Um, I also can see it as that's what connects me to my ancestors, that when I think just even in purely physical uh, uh, perspective is that the, the human that I currently am is made up of the DNA of all of the ancestors who came before me. And so yes. I physically have some piece of all those ancestors and that's what makes me up. Yep. So that's another kind of root. Um, the roots can also take me to the underworld. Uh, they can take me to shadow spaces. They can take me to the unconscious. Um, in fact, I think that's uh, um, how a lot of people often start feeling a, a journey experience is um, there is a realm of the unconscious that where I do think the, the monsters live. Um, yeah. And it seems to be, to me, I see those as guardians. They're guardians to the deeper, darker realms that you kind of have to navigate. How do you befriend those monsters or reconcile some kind of peaceful relationship in order to be given access to those deeper realms? And how do you love them? Well, I think exactly what you brought up with asking me, what was your dream? I, I to me, uh, the fact that I've been, I've had now a series of the last three nights, I, I have woken up from a dream where I was having an interaction with a family member that uh, I have a conflicted relationship with. And um, so, you know, you then also bringing it up says to me, oh, okay, it's time for me to do some work there. So, uh, you know, I'll go into a journey experience and say, now I'm open to whatever you've been prompting me about in my unconscious state, I am now willing to come and meet it in, uh, I mean, it's an altered consciousness, but I'm choosing it. I'm not unaware of it and it's not happening to me. I'm intentionally journeying to a different state of consciousness where I can have this interaction uh, because I am honoring that there is some calling there. Um, and so by choosing to go there, um, it automatically makes me feel like I'm not victimized by these things are happening to me. I'm choosing to go. And yep. when I choose to go, I get to keep my agency about, you know, what are my boundaries? Uh, 
how do I interact with this being? Um, and that to me has physical world uh, effect. So, you know, whenever I've gone into the journey state and I'm like, okay, that monster that's been haunting me in my dreams, I want to go meet you. Let's sit down. We'll make a cup of tea <laughs> and let's have a chat. Um, yeah. Or sometimes you go and, uh, you know, I have been called into a journey state where uh, something about my warrior needs to be um, needs to be integrated better, embodied fuller. And so when I go, all of a sudden there's a sword in my ha hand and there's a sparring partner. And, yeah. uh, you know, sparring is actually the communication of a warrior for me. So when I'm sparring with that, I'm, I'm not getting a sense like it's not threat. We're not trying to kill each other. It's more like a dance and we're getting to know each other by what steps we take and we are weaving a dance together. Um, yeah. And at the end of the sparring, it's like, and now we're friends. We understand each other. We understand how we can communicate with one another. Yes. Because it is about learning that language. I, exactly. And so to me, when you when you say, well, how do you befriend the monsters? I think part of it is you just agree to show up at a space where you both can exist uh, and learn what your communication is. How do you how do you exchange information? Yeah. Yeah. What are the other two runes you got? That's really funny because like um, the first uh, a couple times I went to turn them over, uh, I was told, why do you need to turn those over? Why do you oh. need to turn those over? And so finally, I'm, I, you know, so I'm like, okay, I don't need to. They're fine. <laughs> Sitting here. And um, then I heard now. And I'm like, now what? Oh, now turn them over. I love that. And I love that you've already set up a communication with your rooms that when someone, when some of them show up, um, face down that they're actually communicating to you that this energy is existing in a less conscious place. It's an undercurrent. Uh, absolutely. And so in a broader, I'll narrow it down and then I might broaden it out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, but you began talking about sparring. Yeah. And that's when I flipped them over and, um, one of them is Daga, so rid of transformation, but, you know, uh, more of transitioning from day to night, that kind of a transformation. So um, crossing back and forth again, uh, the same thing with, you know, kind of Avas. But the other rune uh, was Auk, which um, for me is the rune of Angerboda. And Angerboda... The of the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so um, she's also, you know, a warrior, a chiefess, uh, and um, someone who I've been, actually who I dedicated uh, this episode to before we sat down to do it. I'm sat here in my uh, beautiful mobile studio. <laughs> um, that's my car. And uh, I dedicated it to her. And so she showed up in, in her room showing up and it's, I love that she showed up um, as I was told to turn them over as you start talking about sparring. 
because part of my experience with her um, is one where she's basically it's 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 very much feels like um, being taught around a fire, but the fire is in a camp that is uh, full of um, warriors who are, you know, training and sparring ready to, you know, um, that's just what they do. Even if they're not going off to war right now, that's kind of what, what they do. And that's the education system, <laughs> uh, part of it. Interesting. You know, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how have I experienced the warrior in me? Um, and I recognize that like in this world, uh, I'm afraid to fight. Like I'll fight for causes and be an advocate, but like physical fighting, I'm afraid of. Um, and I'm afraid to hurt or be hurt. Um, yep. And yet uh, when I have experienced the need for that and I go into journey, I usually have the experience not in human form, I'll shapeshift. Yep. So like wolves will uh, tousle and, and wrestle and stuff. I've been a tiger um, where, you know, I go into the journey state and I'm like, I'm entering the journey state and I find myself, oh, I'm in a different body and I'm a tiger. Um, and then finding a mate who uh, the way that we engage with each other is wrestling, like yeah. cats do. Yep. I mean, you see all animals do that, you know, puppies, kittens, uh, how they play with each other is a practice for fighting. Yeah. It's the same thing yeah. that they do that when they're adults and they, and they need to be protective, they're honing their skills, but they're honing it through play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting. So that's interesting. So, um, you got to get down and dirty. If you're going to journey, you got to get down and dirty. Yes. You got to, you got to touch it. You got to wrestle with it. You're going to, um, you know, two things kind of become one in this movement and this dance and this, um, yeah, this beautifully, uh, orchestrated physical, sometimes unorchestrated dance and you got to just do it. Well, I think it's a whole different way of fighting. I think it is a dance. And I, th for me, the real, uh, the stark difference that stands out to me is as humans, we often think of fighting in terms of we fight in order to clarify who's the winner and who's the loser. Mm -hmm. It tends to be a, a power thing that uh, about conquering or being conquered. I do hear that a lot Um in, in the shamanic world, I, I do hear people are wrestling spirits and they're conquering them and they're subduing them. And that, it feels like violence to me. Like my yep. soul hurts when I hear that. Um, yeah. Because for me, it's it, I, when you're fighting, it's more like a dance. It's more like a play. There's an intention there. There's, there's a form of communication and a bonding that happens. And... I don't want to defeat, um, except that, you know, if you and I were playing checkers and I win the game, I'm not going to feel bad for winning the game because you're not actually hurt, right? 
Right, right. So it's not this, oh, if I won this particular sparring match, now I'm the one in charge. It's more like we're we're mates who are playing together and sometimes I'll win a match and sometimes you'll win a match. And we're both learning from well, what's the strategy that I just used. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Or where is an area that has been unguarded that I need to now learn how to protect? Yes. So much useful information, I think, in sparring um, that when it's not about the need to defeat, um, there's actually there's a lot of mutual benefit from it. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope that I hope that the things well, I don't hope I know that the things we've talked about today are going to um, give insight and hopefully some courage to some people out there who are listening who haven't tried it who want to try it or if you do on a regular basis some things to think about that you might not have thought about uh, before for for this process being part of your life. Right. Yeah. And thanks for the opportunity. That was, uh, I didn't expect our conversation quite to go that direction. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of explore it and think about it and feel about it a little more. Yeah, no, I love it. I love the, um, I love the aspect of the mental health, uh, that, that aspect of the, uh, of, of our conversation today. That one all, it was also, um, something that I know you think about a lot and um, a, just a different way of looking at things like that. So it's really, it's, it's uh, been great. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank everybody for listening. We always appreciate uh, your support and just listening to us. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, please um, contact us through our Facebook page. We always love hearing from you. And if you have any journey experiences that you'd like to share, that would be awesome. Uh, I would love that. And uh, wherever you are, whenever you are, uh, please drop us a line, say hi, introduce yourself, or um, share the podcast saying this is a podcast I love. This was a great one. Um, always click follow or like or whatever, uh, you know, whatever platform you're listening on. So we appreciate your support and we appreciate you listening. So uh, without anything else, I would say have a great week. Have a great week.